Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Every single year since that first Christmas morning, Mary and Joseph would take their son, Jesus, to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the Passover. This was a feast of remembering God's mighty deliverance of his people, Israel, from the slavery that they endured in Egypt. Now at the first Passover meal, the people had taken the blood of a lamb and they put it upon the doorposts of their homes. And when God released the destroyer in judgment over the land of Egypt to kill all of the firstborn males of man and beast, he would not enter any house that had the blood of a lamb upon its door. And the blood of those lambs, it was a symbol that pointed to the blood of the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And the blood of this lamb would be poured out upon the doorposts of of the hearts of all who believe in Jesus. Our epistle reads, In love, God predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, that's in Jesus In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And it says, which he lavished upon us. Think about that word, lavish. It's over the top. It's beyond counting. And God took his love and he lavished it upon you in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. And Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world by the redemption of his spilt blood, he celebrated the Passover. And it was during the celebration of the Passover with his disciples when he first instituted the Lord's Supper, giving us his body and blood to eat and to drink, thereby marking the doorposts of our hearts as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. And here in our gospel lesson, at age 12, Jesus knew that this feast that everybody was celebrating was pointing to God's love for the world that would cause his death. 
Jesus came to earth because God loves all people. And even at age 12, he was God's love and promise to a world that was ravished by sin, death, and the powers of the devil. Even at age 12, this boy was Emmanuel, God with us. And in our gospel, look where Jesus is. He is in the temple where God had promised to be for his people. This is an important thing to note. Jesus is exactly where he promised to be. Our gospel reads, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be with the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. Can you imagine? Losing your child would be one of the worst feelings of shock and despair. If I lost Noah, I would be frantic, I would be scared, I would be desperate. My heart would sink from my heart right through the soles of my feet into the floor. And here, Mary and Joseph lost their child. But he was more than just any child. This child was God's gift, God's love for the entire world. If you put this into perspective, they thought that they had lost God's love. Literally. How could they answer to God? He had entrusted them with his love, his gift, and here they had neglected him. They lost him. They thought that they had done something so negligent Perhaps it's unforgivable. Why didn't they make sure that Jesus was with them? Why didn't they look for him before they left? Why didn't they look before, for him before they started out on their journey? Why didn't they look to make sure he was with them at midday? How could they have gone a whole day without acknowledging his presence? They were desperate. Without him, they were lost. Without him, Mary and Joseph knew that the whole world was lost. For they knew that their son was the one who was to save the people from their sins. My friends, you may wonder what this has to do with us. Well, some of us have gone a day's journey away from Jesus. 
Maybe it's been a week's journey, or maybe it's been years. Those we know and even some of us are still traveling away from him as we speak. Some of us have gone so far away from him, so far away from where we last left Jesus, that we feel there is no hope of ever finding him again. And some of us feel that God would be so angry with us that we have despised his grace, his lavish love, that instead of looking for Jesus, we would rather run and hide from his presence. We talked about in Sunday school, and perhaps you've heard this, people coming to the church doors and saying, I can't go in there. If I go in there, the whole building's going to fall. These people feel as like they can no longer come back. And some of us want to have Jesus with us. But we fear that after leaving him, he'd never want us back. When Mary and Joseph did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at, their understand, at his understanding. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Her words show that she was frantic. Great distress. We've been searching. Now, when Mary and Joseph first saw Jesus, they were astonished by the situation. Mary would later ponder this in her heart. Their son, God's son, he had no fear or distress because of their absence. Think about that. If I was 12 years old and I lost my parents at a ball game, I would end up being in great fear and great distress. The boy Jesus does not have that. And look at this. Nor was he mad at them. Nor was he mad at them that they had left him. No. He was conversing with the teachers of God's word. He was talking with the very people who were to proclaim himself to the world. For he, even at 12 years old, was the fulfillment of the scriptures that those men studied and taught. It's amazing. But after Mary got over the situation, 
she pulled Jesus aside and said, Son, why have you treated us so? Why? This is your doing, Jesus. You've got to stick with us. Your father and I have been searching in great distress. And as his mother Mary had been given authority over Jesus. And here she was. Blaming him. For leaving. Without him. Sometimes we do the same thing. We leave Jesus behind. We stop going to church. We stop reading his word in our homes. We stop coming to Bible study. Our faith weakens. And we may even come to a point where we feel like God is no longer with us. And then oftentimes, and maybe you, I know you guys know people that have done this, but oftentimes we lash out at him. We say, why have you left me? When all along, it was really <coughs> us who left him. Jesus said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus was right where God promised to be with his people. Mary and Joseph didn't understand this at the time, and that's okay. But they treasured that word. They pondered it in their hearts. And he was with them from that time on. My friends, Jesus did not, does not leave us. And we cannot blame him for our leaving. Nor should we think, nor should we think that he is mad at us when we realize that we are no longer with him. No, my friends, Jesus desires to be with us and he is exactly where he promises to be. Our epistle reads, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. When you heard the word of truth, the Holy Spirit introduced you to Jesus. And he caused you to trust in him. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies, and keeps us with Jesus by the means of of the word of truth. Jesus, upon his ascension, told his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them 
into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How is he with us? Baptism and teaching. And when Jesus, on the day of his resurrection, walked with two of his followers, they did not recognize him. He was with them the whole time, even though they didn't know it. And then Jesus began to teach them the scriptures, and he showed himself to them in the word. Their hearts began to burn, and then they gave... Then he gave them the Lord's Supper, and they recognized him. They recognized that Jesus was with them all along. My friends, Jesus is with us all along as well. We are not alone. We have not lost God, and God is not hiding from us. He is right where he promises to be. He is for you. He desires to be with you. The blood that he has shed for you proves it. It proves that he desires that you would stay with him, that you would return to him. He shed his blood in order to lavish you with God's love. You deserve God's wrath. But that's not what he desires to give you. He desires that we would all come to our senses and return to him who has never left us. To hear him in his word and to recognize him in, with, and under the bread and wine. For through these means, Jesus says to you, Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And now the peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen. Amen.